Okay, well, I'm back, and uh, Hamble's back. Um, yeah, I'm trying to put out uh, one podcast a week here. Things got pretty busy for me. I, I, I was uh, in a play called It's a Wonderful Life um, for the Warren Civic Auditorium. It was a lot of fun. I played Bertha Policeman. Little did I know that um, uh, the name Bert and Ernie came from this this movie. Um, I'd never really known that prior. I always thought Bert and Ernie was from uh, Sesame Street that some people came up with, but it seems like, uh, yeah, Bert and Ernie from It's a Wonderful Life. So funny. <laughs> a lot of rehearsal uh, the week prior, uh, the week uh, uh, you know prior to the show. Um, I think it was a it was a modest hit. Um, uh, we had good crowds uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, oh, a couple thousand went to ch- uh, local charities. So that's pretty great too. It's nice to know that I participated in something that gave the charities. It's nice. Uh, thing about I'm just going to go over this quickly because this episode's about something a little bit different. But thing about acting and, and a play, and this was my first play I've ever participated in, acted in, so you got to hit your marks, and you got to know when to come out on stage, <laughs> and sometimes it's not so easy, um, sometimes you just don't hear that cue, or you just, uh, yeah, you just mess it, um, I was not perfect over the weekend of the productions, but I was good enough, and uh, <laughs> I did miss a couple cues here and there, but uh, I think I made up for it a little bit, but still. Uh, for my first play, that wasn't too bad. Um, I, I, it, is, it is a fun process, and it is cool getting to know the people um, over the course of, uh, of uh, you know, over the weeks, you know. Anyway, um, I guess I'm, I'm going to talk about, I'll probably talk about that when I get uh, Sir Michael Caine back on, on the show. Um, I'm, I'm trying to talk to him right now, and, uh, you know, he's, he's pretty reluctant, and, uh, you know, because he's kind of lost uh, a little bit of faith in me uh, over the past year. And uh, But I'm going to try hard to get him back on the show. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if I can get Tom Cruise on to uh, talk about it, you know, the Commodore 64 Top Gun game. I know I can get uh, Sir Michael Caine back on. Anyway, I, I think this, this episode is going to be mostly focused on Stan Lee. And I'm thinking maybe I can do a double banger episode. Where, uh, I can bang out uh, Stan Lee and Her- George Herbert Walker Bush in the same episode. Maybe I'll try. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe I'll just, yeah, talk about George Bush after this one, but Stan Lee, Stan Lee, you know, I first remember hearing about Stan Lee when I started reading Marvel's uh, comic books and uh, Captain America, there's some really good Captain Americas in the, in the 80s and uh, good artwork and uh uh, Wolverine, and I didn't really get into X-Men until a little bit later. 
uh, late 80s, 90s, but uh, still, oh, Spider-Ham um, <laughs> and Spider-Man, I got into those a little bit. Daredevil, of course, yeah, I got into those, so gosh, this makes me want to go back and get my old comics out. Um, you can really get lost in comics if you let yourself. <laughs> anyway, Spider-Ham. Uh, I, I remember reading the bulletin, uh, the bullpen, where Stanley would uh, answer letters or at least have a paragraph or two where he talks about uh, a Stan, I think of Stanley's soapbox. Maybe that, that's what it was. Um, the comics and, and the artists and, and everything. And, um, he's always building up the artists and, and, and all that. And, you know, always had the sense that he was a fun personality. Uh, that he really, that he cared. He was passionate about the business. Even though he had, he, he had a cheesy funny look to him with those glasses and his hair and his mustache, but um, really he was kind of like a father figure of comics, and uh, it, it's it's a weird thing <clears throat> now that it, that he's just passed uh, because he was so he was such a big influence and always you know. People just talk about him, and he's always floating around there in, in, in the uh, culture, and especially with the Marvel movies. But there are some times where Marvel wasn't doing too hot, <laughs> where he, Marvel went bankrupt, and they had to file Chapter 11 and all that. And You know, there are some lean times in Marvel, I think, you know, where it wasn't as strong as maybe DC was. Or, you know, um, you know, it's, it's just the characters weren't treated as, as seriously, um, you know, and, and cart, you know, and the cartoons was first, and then kind of the movies came eventually, little by little. But even the, the movies was a little bit of a rocky road. I mean, Roger Corman did the Fantastic Four, and. Uh, that didn't come out too well. And, uh, you know, and then you have the Hulk show. And the Hulk had some TV movies where they had Thor and Daredevil on them, which was one of the, one of the fun ones. But, uh, you know, it was not a big production by any means and pretty cheesy. But uh, they were there and they tried. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've been really thinking about how much of a whole... Stanley's going to leave now in the culture, especially in the comics culture, and and we'll really notice his his presence missing because he was one of the driving forces in comics and Marvel, and uh, you know and uh, you know it just reverberates. I mean, everyone that's everyone that's drawn comics or loved comics growing up uh, is affected by this. I mean, DC doesn't really have a, a leading force of one guy like this. Not necessarily. And, um, yeah, it, it's something. I mean, it, 
he would, I, I, you could tell that the man would, would always be working it, you know, with the, when it came to comics and, and selling, you know, I didn't, you know, the action figures. I love the action figures that came with the shields, you know, not, not, not like any of these superheroes would, would use shields, but they had the, a shield that came with the, uh, like a hologram of, of the character's face. And I really liked that. And I really appreciated that. And, uh, you know, all that marketing, it's really a lot of it Stanley was responsible for. And, um, you know, I was just watching this little YouTube uh, video where um, I think it's Comic Book Girl, she was talking about how Stan Lee is really, uh, really he had to be kind of the business and businessman and, and face of Marvel, while, you know, people like Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby had to be had to actually, you know, make the comics happen. And so it wasn't just him. Um, I, I remember talking to uh, um, one of the guys that worked, was was in the industry, in, in the industry, and had drawn some comics. And he used to tell me how much uh, nepotism is a big, uh, big thing in comics. And and then we went on. He he was kind of going on about uh, uh, Stanley, and and uh, he said he he told me, hey, uh, hey, you know, Stanley fucked Jack Kirby. You know that, right? And, and I and I asked him, real like physically or or what? He's like, and then he lost. His, he started cracking up, <laughs> and because the way he said it, he said it like he, they were gay or something, but. Like no, not like that. He's like I. He screwed him over with uh, you know recognition and all that and yada yada. And um, but you know, comic book girl makes a good point. You do need a businessman, you know, because that was a business. Marvel's Marvel's a business. Excuse me. And uh, you know, and, and sales. I mean, every every product, you have to know where the money's going, how you're getting the money, and uh, how you're selling this thing. And when you're just grinding and making the product, that's a different thing from selling it and marketing it. You know, and a lot of comics, guys, the energy it takes to put into a comic, you're exhausted by the end of it, you know, but you still have to market the damn thing. So, uh, which has not been easy, not been easy for me, you know, but uh, I've been, I've been doing a lot of these steps by myself, um, you know, going to, uh, the Great Lakes Comic Con and promoting Rage and, uh, and then having the money to do those things is a whole nother skill set. So, um, gosh, uh, Stanley and Marvel, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Mall Rats. I remember watching the movie Mall Rats when I was at CMU, uh, Central Michigan University, and um, watching Mall Rats for the first time in a dorm room, and watching that awesome scene with Stan Lee and Brody talking to him, and uh, yeah, that, that's some great stuff there. Um, I mean, he's just a, a reverend figure, you know, as someone that's everyone has looked up to for so long. In the face of Marvel Comics, I mean, I mean, it just, yeah, it affects everyone in that grew up drawing and grew up reading those comics. It's, um, 
it's just a big deal. You know, people that don't read comics or don't really get the depth of this loss or people in the mainstream or just people that don't get into that. And, hey, I, sorry, Bill Maher, but I love you, but this one I think you're wrong at. <laughs> you know, I go, there is merit. There is merit to people that read comics and, and draw comics, and it it's not any different from people that uh, build buildings or are passionate about that. You know, it's it's what we're people are passionate about and there's nothing wrong with it you know people want to look at comics as like something that oh it's for kids still it's like no you can you can tell amazing stories with comics uh literary things can be you know portrayed through comics um it's just people don't you got to know where to go and where to look and you know, you got to dig deep into the catalog, you know. But um, there's just uh, so much. There's just a big plethora of, and yeah, I had, I had to say plethora, um, <laughs> of stories in comics that great writers um, had come up with so many stories that just so happened to have superheroes in them. And... Um, there's just so much material, not only superhero movies, but in independent comics to to draw from. Just like I always say books, there's a lot of books to be adapted into movies, too. There's always an endless supply of books that they can make into movies. Same with comics, and that's why I've, I've been loving this comic streak of movies, because there's a lot of material and um, that's been being unmined now, because... Great writers and collaborators have been putting out a lot of good stories throughout the years. And a lot of mediocre, humdrum, you know, okay stories too. But a lot of good plot lines, a lot of good stories. I mean, you pick up any issue of Wizard and they'll tell you, you know, you, you, they'll, you'll hit upon five great story arcs from comics in that, you know. Um, I, yeah, I miss Wizard. <laughs> I miss reading that book, but um, gosh, yeah, I'll tell I'll tell you, I um, I think this is just going to be a Stanley episode. I can't go into George W. Bush because that's kind of an episode into itself. Um, how to draw? How to draw? Um, comics, the Marvel method. Um, how to draw comics the Marvel way, you know. <sighs> that book is so instrumental and in sharpening my, my comic skills, my my, you know, my uh, comic illustration skills, and just the basics of how you lay out the proportions of a body and the lines across the face that you everything you put down before you go in with the detail and. Uh, page composition, panel composition, um, so many neat things and broken down easily by uh, John Buscema as well. I mean, and then um, I've been watching the YouTube video series. That The video series has been around for a while that I, I think I missed. Um, it's, it's all very instru instrumental um, to learning the craft or the art of comics. Is, is picking up art books and, and especially one specific for comics and uh, 
and just studying it. I mean, it's another way Stanley was influential. Um, I'll touch on another another uh, awesome little thing in the last ten years. It was this show called Stanley Superheroes, which is so so incredible. I really love this show. Um, basically, Stanley gets the world's most flexible man as the team leader, and he he drives him out to go meet other people that are uh, gifted or have some kind of like almost superpower, like this gunslinger that can shoot faster than you can see. Um, so he can shoot a, a quarter out of the or a penny out of the sky. He can shoot two bullets and make it look like one bullet. You know, like you shoot two two balloons, make it look like one shot. Um, although I don't think he was in the series, he, he'll go interview a, a Wim Hof kind of guy who can just uh, um, endure cold uh, and swim in incredibly cold water. Um, one guy had super strength. He could bend pans with his hand and arms and uh, wrenches easily over his, over his leg. Um, just so many cool th guys that you would, you would watch and it's like they would prove that what they could do was pretty much real. And at the end, Stan Lee would, would talk to the world's most flexible man and, and, uh, and kind of set, well, he would set everybody up, each guy that he'd meet as like, um, this guy is known for his super strength and he'll set it up like a comic, like he would narrate a character in a comic at the beginning of it. And, um, yeah, it was, it's just a fun show and it really shows you how unlimited human potential is, uh, when applied with focus and practice. And it, it's an amazing show. You can check out a lot of episodes on YouTube. Um, I hope they put out a set, a DVD set. Maybe they do have one out there and uh, I wish they'd continue with the show cause it was great. Um, I watched a lot of that on Netflix, I think, when it came out. Uh, what else? But at the beginning of a lot of comic books in Marvel, Stan Lee would have a little narration, and he would talk about, hey, true believer, uh, this week's, uh, uh, in this week's uh, uh, story of Spider-Man, um, Spidey finds himself... Uh, struggling to win Mary Jane's uh, affections. And, uh, you know, boy, once the cartoons started up, he would always narrate the cartoons, like even the early X-Men one, the late 80s, where uh, we had the Australian Wolverine. You know, he would narrate, the, I think, uh, that one. Um, so, I mean, he always a presence. Uh in the comics, you know, when you'd read them, and, and man, he's gonna be—he's gonna be missed. He's gonna be missed. Um, you know, there was a talk about him and being uh, bullied by—I don't know—people in his family, maybe, or him being abused. I don't know if it was physically or financially taken advantage of and then like that's that's a lot of stuff that's that's not cool i wish people wouldn't wouldn't be like that 
you know, to other people, especially at the end of their lives like that. But, um, you know, Stan Lee lived a long life, and I'm amazed he went for as long as he did with the energy he had at the end. I mean, he really did have, he was lively at the end for the most part. Um, and uh, I don't think he suffered too much, um, although maybe a little bit, but yeah, yeah, wow, it's it's pretty amazing. I think I think he was in I think he was in what, I don't know was he was in World War Two or maybe it was Korea where he had uh, yeah he I think he was definitely in the military where he kind of developed some skills and definitely uh, either uh, as an artist. Yeah, which is amazing that you can get any kind of slot as a, as an artist in the military. I never got that, <laughs> but he he was he was able to, and um, I think drawing manuals or something like that. I think a lot of his earlier experience really shaped him, and made them him an awesome marketer, an awesome voice for uh, for the comics. Uh, not enough could be said. Uh, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. Uh, I got that book still, and I just I, I continue to learn from that. Um, but uh, I'm going to try to wrap it up here because I'm going over my <laughs> 20 minutes is pretty standard for me. Um, but yeah, Stanley, yeah, uh, he'll be missed. His presence will be missed for a while. And, I know he's got some more cameos in the movies coming up, but what a streak. What a successful streak. Uh, it's weird. It, it kind of feels like I lost a family member with him, like an uncle or a grandpa. That's how, that's how close the connection is uh, with, with people you know, that, re have, that read comics growing up. It's just a, it's such an, a, a more intimate medium than... than a movie, although I love movies, and in some ways it feels more intimate than a book, um, just because it's such a collaboration and has such a fan base, and even if it's a, a smaller fan base than, than books in general, uh, yeah, you feel part of a club, you know, and um, yeah, Stanley, man. Excelsior. Excels. Who can ever forget the, that weird word? <laughs> Which always say Excelsior at, at, at the end of his uh, soapboxes. You know, and uh, that differentiated him. That made him stand out from everybody else. And, uh, boy, he was unique. He was a one-man-only show. And uh, I don't think we'll ever see another Stanley again. And... Uh, I regret, and it stinks. I never got to meet him. <sighs> that sucks, you know. But uh, I can just imagine it in my head, and I think, you know, he was a nice enough guy in person to where I could assume he would shake my hand or I would shake his hand, and he would give me a good smile, and he would say, thank you, true believer. And, uh, yeah. He made mine marble. I'll, uh, I'll wrap this one up.
long days and pleasant nights.